I'm starting this podcast off differently tonight. Forget the normal intro, and honestly, forget the Kings' win over the Golden State Warriors for a second. We're starting this podcast talking about the ridiculous, dumb, nonsensical argument that the Sacramento Kings were only successful last season because they were lucky when it comes to injuries. Could there be a more dumb, low-hanging fruit argument from people who clearly don't watch the Sacramento Kings play basketball? And maybe that wasn't a problem tonight because most of these talking heads uh, and national media members and whoever was writing this nonsense, clearly they really only pay attention to Los Angeles Lakers basketball and all the major marquee teams uh, that get them a lot of clicks and get them a lot of views, and they only make ridiculous statements about the Sacramento Kings when they're trying to kill time during the offseason or they're forced to watch the Kings when they take on the Warriors in the playoffs or take on the Lakers tonight. And I'm glad they were watching tonight. They can't ignore De'Aaron Fox going down with a pretty serious ankle injury, limping off the floor, going to the back, only to return minutes later, sub back into the game, hit some big shots to help the Sacramento Kings go to overtime against the Los Angeles Lakers. And not just that, he checked into the overtime period. He started overtime against the wishes of his coaching staff. Mike Brown said he straight up ignored Mike. The plan was to start overtime with somebody different, but De'Aaron walked out on the floor. Mike tried to call him back and call him off. De'Aaron ignored him. So Fox went against the orders of his team in order to keep playing tonight and battle through this injury. And Mike said it got to a point where his limp was so bad, the team almost forced him to come out of the game even though he did not want to. The Kings aren't lucky that they don't get injured. The Kings are tough. They fight through injuries, like DeMontis Sabonis did, playing the vast majority of last season and the playoffs with an injured thumb that we initially thought would require surgery. De'Aaron Fox uh, playing through the, uh, the broken finger that he suffered against the Golden State Warriors. And those are just the two main guys. Keegan Murray has battled through injuries before. Most of this Sacramento Kings team has played banged up at one point or another, but they don't care, they don't make excuses, and they don't certainly don't need to sit and rest like Joel Embiid, the league MVP, tried to do tonight before the league, I guess, cracked down and forced him to play, and it's a good thing that they did. The Kings don't need to worry about all that. The Kings don't need to take two or three months off at, at any given time or, or sit for 20 games during the regular season like some guys on the Los Angeles Clippers do. The Kings can fight through injury. They can play hurt because they know, especially when it comes to De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, they know how important they are to the Sacramento Kings and their success. So if anyone has the audacity at this point or the stupidity to say, hey, the Kings are only lucky in the injury department and other teams weren't, that's why they were successful last year or that's why they're successful this year, ignore that. Like, Crumple it up into a ball and throw it over your shoulder if it's an actual physical written article. Or honestly, if it's on your phone, like delete the app. Whatever app you're reading. Well, don't go that far because I'm sure like with The Athletic or whatever, <laughs> there's some good stuff in there beyond that article that whoever is writing. But ignore that stuff. It's nonsense. It's ridiculous and it doesn't mean you know what when it comes to actually covering Sacramento Kings basketball. Because those of us actually paying attention, those of us actually watching knows, we know this team isn't lucky this team fights hard. This team plays hard. And also, heaven forbid that the Sacramento Kings and general manager Monty McNair build a team of guys in their mid to barely upper 20s who are more reliable in the injury department than teams who revolve around guys from age 30 to 35 years old. Weird how those guys seem to get hit hurt more than the guys in their mid-20s. Oh, but the Kings are lucky. That's not smart. The Kings are just lucky. Well, it's ridiculous. And once again, the Kings proved that tonight. And on top of that, the beam is lit. They beat LA 132 to 127, the final score. And you are listening to Locked on Kings.
You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And now that I got that rant out of the way, I want to take this time to share how proud I am, express how proud I am in Kevin Herter tonight. You know, I, I, I felt coming to the arena tonight, I just felt like Kevin Herter was going to have a good night, that he was going to kind of reemerge. He was going to bounce back after the rough preseason that he's had, really the rough time since last playoffs that he had. And a lot of that I thought was going to be on the offensive end, like he goes off from three-point land or catches fire like we've seen Red Velvet do before. And in reality, Kevin still did not have that great of an offensive night. 12 points, 4 of 12 shooting from the field, 3 of 7 from three-point range. But it's everything else that Kevin Herter did. Seven rebounds, four assists, two blocks. Dear, or, 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 uh, Kevin Herter, he did hit a clutch three in overtime uh, to help the Sacramento Kings ultimately win this game. And that was great to see. And you could see the look of relief almost on his face. And what I loved was that as he was going back to the Kings bench behind me, Trey Lyles was the first guy to run out and congratulate him in street clothes before the entire team kind of mobbed him as he was coming off the floor. You can tell how much that shot meant to Kevin's teammates in addition to Kevin himself because they've had his back. They've been picking him up, helping him work through uh, the, the mental frustrations as well as the physical frustrations of his shooting woes to this point. So they were just as excited as probably Kevin was, or maybe even more excited than Kevin was, to see that shot go down. But even if Kevin had missed that shot, even if the Sacramento Kings had found a way to lose this game tonight, I still would have been proud of Kevin Herter. Because even though the shot wasn't falling, he played as much as he did tonight. He played over 30 minutes tonight because of the effort that he was putting in elsewhere. Like, he had three really clutch rebounds in overtime. I was really impressed by his rebounding. At one point, he poked a rebound away from Anthony Davis, who towers over Kevin, poked the rebound away, secured it, and was able to help the Sacramento Kings get another possession on the other end of the floor. He also blocked Anthony Davis at one point. One of his two blocks, uh, Mike calls it a... What was he, what did he, the term that he used? Like a, a blindside or backdoor defense? That's not the term that he used. But essentially, he helped on Anthony Davis from behind him, got his hand over the shot, and ended up blocking the shot. Like Kevin Herter put in the effort outside of just shooting the ball instead of, man, I'm struggling again. Oh, well, I'm going to kind of pout or my, it's going to reflect in my body language and I'm not going to put in the effort on the other side of the ball or, or put in the effort to grab rebounds or, or get my teammates involved. Kevin Herter battled through it tonight. And people have been hard on Kevin. I'm talking Sacramento people, fans. I've seen it. I've heard it. I've seen you guys talking about it. I'm not saying that you have any ill will towards Kevin Herter, but a lot of us were getting frustrated, wondering how long we can wait for Kevin to figure this out, right? How long can the Sacramento Kings afford to let Kevin work through it before, hey, maybe Malik Monk or Chris Duarte or someone else is a better option? Well, I'm not saying Kevin has worked his way out of this slump, and especially if De'Aaron Fox is hurt going forward, which we have no update at this point. If Kevin's hurt long-term, or excuse me, if De'Aaron's hurt 
long-term or even short-term, the Kings are definitely going to need everybody, including Kevin Herter, to step up offensively. So I'm not saying that he's out of the woods yet, but to see him fight and battle the way that he did tonight to be an impactful part of this game, regardless of his shooting numbers, I think that should be incredibly encouraging and worth a lot of praise from Sacramento Kings fans. We also got to talk about Malik Monk really quick because when De'Aaron Fox subbed out in overtime, Malik Monk said, my best friend's out, my best friend went down, but he came back in and tried to fight through it. I'm going to pick up number five and I'm going to put the team on my shoulders and I'm going to do what Fox normally does in the fourth quarter. How about 11 points in overtime for Malik Monk? Had a couple clutch threes, uh, had a, a really nice and one on this end of the floor. Malik Monk took over this game. And we know that Malik is capable at any time of getting hot on the offensive end, but it's not just with his three-point shooting that a lot of us kind of thought was his main game and his main trait. It's his ability to put the ball on the floor, attack the basket, make the right decisions, get his teammates involved. He actually didn't throw a, uh, an alley-oop to, uh, to JaVale McGee tonight, which is the first time so far uh, this season that they haven't connected in that way. Of course, a lot of that has to do with the length and defense in the middle of the Los Angeles Lakers. But Malik is just so crafty and can help the Sacramento Kings in so many ways on the offensive end of the floor that Mike Brown essentially said, well, he said a couple things that were really interesting. One, he said that according to his analytics guys, Malik Monk is the number one player in terms of pick and roll uh, ball handling in the league at this point, which is pretty crazy. Number two is Mike said, look, if, like, if Malik plays hard and plays well on the defensive end of the floor, it's almost impossible to take him off the floor. It's almost impossible to get him out of the game because of how dynamic and how good he is for Sacramento on the offensive end. So to see Malik step up and kind of take over that De'Aaron Fox role while Kevin Herter did all the little things on, on both sides of the ball and got that big redemption clutch three. All while, by the way, the Kings weren't just without uh, De'Aaron Fox for most of overtime. The Kings were without DeMontis Sabonis for the entire overtime because Sabonis fouled out of this game. That is the depth of the Sacramento Kings coming through tonight. And they didn't do that against the Houston Rockets or the Charlotte Hornets. No disrespect to those, those teams. They did it against a Los Angeles Lakers team who many believe is the best in the Pacific Division. A Los Angeles Lakers team that with, even with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, being as old as they are, think that they're right back in the title picture. The Kings closed out against that team without their two superstars. What a win tonight for Sacramento. It's great to see the beam lit, 132-127. to 127. And speaking of fouls, we got to talk about the foul discrepancy in this game and also talk about how the Kings were able to overcome that foul discrepancy, especially in the second half. We'll get to that in just a second. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. What is Prize Picks? It's the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to get your daily fantasy sports fix. And here's the best thing about it it's just you versus the Prize Picks projection or projected numbers. You're not taking on uh, thousands of other players, including the, the, the pros and the sharks out there that make a living off of your hobby. You're just picking more or less than the prize pick statistical uh, pro, uh, over, uh, sorry, more or less than the, the prize picks like suggested number or projection for Malik Monk for amount of three-pointers. Or like I was sitting next to James Ham tonight, and James Ham on prize picks took uh, Anthony Davis to make 
more than half of three-pointers. So essentially make a three-pointer tonight. And AD did, so he got that right. There's so many different statistical uh, categories out there that you can play with on prize picks for so many different players. And of course, it's not just for NBA action. They have great stuff for the NFL too. First-time users, when you sign up right now on prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA, use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's free money for you to make money on prize picks. Daily Fantasy, made easy. Every time the Sacramento Kings and the Los Angeles Lakers play, there's always in the back of your mind that 2002 uh, game six, right? And the foul discrepancy in that game. And of course, the fourth quarter fans will never forget that. I'd say till the Kings actually win a title, but maybe even beyond that, right? That every time Kings fans see Laker yellow, that game just, just rears its ugly head. So anytime the Kings and Lakers play there, we always pay a little extra attention to fouls, right? Well, it was hard to ignore the foul calls in this game here tonight, especially in the first half, because the foul discrepancy at halftime was ridiculous, like ridiculous. I think uh, it was 27 to like six or something like that in favor of the Los Angeles Lakers. The Kings had so many different guys in foul trouble. Like I mentioned, DeMontis Sabonis fouled out. De'Aaron Fox had five fouls. Both Keegan Murray and Malik, uh, excuse me, and uh, Davion Mitchell had four fouls. Like the Kings at one point had their top three guys all in foul trouble with four fouls, and nobody on the Los Angeles Lakers had more than two. And that was late in the third quarter. I'm not screaming conspiracy. I'm not doing anything like that. I'm not even here to talk about the officiating. I'm here to talk about how Sacramento was able to adjust, adapt, and overcome that. Because they gave up, like I mentioned, 27 free throws in the first half and only 11 free throws in the second half and the overtime period combined. It's a good adjustment by the Sacramento Kings, all while not taking too big of a step back with their physicality on defense. A lot of those fouls in the first half came from the Kings trying to play a physical brand of defense. And once again, I thought their half-court defense was really solid. In fact, later on in the podcast, I'm going to tell you about some defensive numbers in favor of the Sacramento Kings that Mike Brown pointed out that he was really pleased about after the game. But to see the Kings overcome or, or, or adapt to make that kind of halftime adjustment to, to make sure the fouls didn't kill them. Because in reality, the fouls are what kept the Los Angeles Lakers in this game. And, I, and let's talk about that a little bit because I didn't get the opportunity to, Mike, uh, to ask Mike this at the end of the game, and I'm really curious what his answer would be. So I'm going to ask it at some point the next opportunity I get to chat with him, maybe at a practice or something. For the second straight game at home, the Kings had a double-digit lead. Tonight it was a 15-point lead. And... They blew that lead and ended up in a hole towards the latter part of the game. I don't know how much of that is basketball is a game of runs and in the modern offense where points are scored so quickly and so early in the shot clock and there's so many more three-pointers that a 15-point lead just isn't what it used to be. But it feels like the Sacramento Kings need to do a much better job, especially on their home floor, at maintaining those leads and closing out games. Now, when it comes to the final few minutes, when it comes to true clutch time, we know how good De'Aaron Fox and the Sacramento Kings are, right? Think back to Friday night's loss. The final three minutes of that game, the Kings went on a surge behind De'Aaron Fox and actually gave themselves a chance towards the end. But what about the other nine minutes of that fourth quarter? And what about the second and third quarters where the Kings gave up a combined 75 points in those quarters after they had, I think, a 13-point lead at one point and played really, really well to start the game? 
Also, maybe it's just the Golden State Warriors, right, who did that because of how quickly the Warriors score. But here come the Los Angeles Lakers, who also have a lot of talent offensively, and they close that 15-point gap to take up to a five-point lead in the fourth quarter. Sacramento, period, needs to do a better job of winning on their home floor, especially if they want to get to that championship status uh, that they, they believe they can get to and compete for this season. Championship-caliber teams, it doesn't matter who they're playing at home, they are more than often the favorite to win. And I'm not just talking betting, betting favorites, I'm just talking about this team just finds a way to win in front of their fans. Sacramento has not gotten to that point yet. And it's not because of the fans, right? It's not because of the energy of Sacramento Kings fans, although there was a ton of Laker yellow, way too much Laker yellow in the Golden 1 Center tonight for my liking. But regardless, we know the home court advantage that Sacramento has because of the Kings fan base. So it's not them. It's the Kings taking care of home floor better. Because all three of these games, they've gotten off to really strong starts in the first quarter. All three of them. It wasn't as good defensively tonight, but they scored 41 points. 41 points in the first quarter. Once they get into the second quarter, I don't know if it's they, they take the foot off the gas. I don't know if it's just the other team has an opportunity to, to counterpunch, and they do. Again, basketball is a game of runs. And things can turn quickly. But it feels like even if that is the case, even if ultimately we can just chuck it up to that's the game of basketball today, it still feels like Sacramento could be doing a better job of maintaining those leads. I'm not saying that they're going to blow out everybody every single night. I'm not saying that every time they, they build a 15-point lead that it can't get below 10 again. Like, it's going to happen. And I thought, for the most part, until late third quarter, early fourth quarter, I thought Sacramento actually did a pretty good job answering a lot of the Lakers' pushes. They would, they would, the Lakers would get within four or two and have a chance to take the lead, and the Kings would kind of counter, hit some big shots, get back up by seven or nine. They did that a couple of times over the second and third quarters in this game. But finding a way to negate that, I guess, finding a way to make things a little less interesting, right, my blood pressure wouldn't mind a game like tonight where Sacramento goes up by 15. Maybe the Lakers get within single digits, but ultimately the Sacramento Kings put things away. And by the three-minute mark left in the game, like Darvin Ham is putting out his, uh, the end of his bench and, and waving the white flag, right? I'll take, I'll take a one or two more of those this year, especially in this building, please. Because we keep having overtime games like tonight where Keegan Murray almost hit a game-winning three, and we'll talk about that too in a second. It's fun for the drama. It's fun for the podcast. Not exactly great for the blood pressure and the heart rate. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. So find a bet that you feel really confident in, right? Find a bet that maybe doesn't even pay out that much, like a really heavy favorite. Put $5 down. Even if you only win $1, even if it's not really a smart bet in that way, it doesn't matter because here's $150 in bonus bets that you've essentially won to help you with more risky bets or more favorable bets or whatever it may be and ultimately help you make more money and have more fun long-term on FanDuel. And you can bet on so many things, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, now is the time to do so. Of course, they have great NFL action on there for you, but all NBA season, no one is better than FanDuel. Also, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 
I mentioned Keegan Murray. Boy, did I want that game winner to drop, right? And it was an excellent look. Keegan said after the game, like, it felt good. It looked good. It just rimmed out. And the Kings have had some unfortunate rim outs. No one had a worse night with rim outs tonight. Kevin Herter had a pretty bad night at times. Nobody had a worse night than Austin Reeves. Like, Austin Reeves had three or four shots that almost hit every part of the iron and then still bounced out. Like, just a rough night for him. But, hey, we'll take it from a Sacramento Kings perspective, right? But... But Keegan had a really good look at that game winner. didn't fall. Ultimately, the Kings were able to win the game, so it doesn't matter. But Keegan got off to a really bad start. It was, it was Keegan's turn to kind of have the cold hand. I th- I, he missed his first seven shots, I believe, to start this game. Really, really rough start. And Mike Brown shared a moment after the game where uh, Keegan, this was in the second half when Keegan started scoring a little bit, but he had a look at a wide open three with a, a, a shorter guard closing out on him, and he ended up traveling. Like he hesitated, didn't take the shot, and he traveled. And, and Mike, I guess, chewed him out pretty good uh, as he was making his way back to the bench. And Mike essentially said, Look, like the only way that I'm subbing you out of games, unless it's for your normal rest and on our normal rotation, the only way I'm, I'm, I'm subbing you out of games is if you refuse to shoot the basketball. Like that's what you're out there to do, so freaking do it. Well, apparently, Keegan, the next opportunity he got, drained a three and turned to Mike and, and said F you to him, which Mike loved. And I love that from Keegan, to be honest with you. So, like, I love the fact that Keegan battled and fought his way through this cold start because he ended up finishing with 17 points, all of them in the second half, 6 of 14 from the field. Also, eight rebounds, five assists, two steals, and one block. Can we talk about Keegan's rebounding for a second? Because that was an area that Mike Brown challenged Keegan to get a lot better last season. He wanted more rebounding, better rebounding out of Keegan. Well, in these first three games, Keegan's had eight rebounds against Utah, seven rebounds against Golden State, eight rebounds tonight. Now, it's not quite on DeMontis Sabonis levels, where DeMontis has had like 12, 18, and 15, I think. But for your, your four... To consistently being in that, uh, to be in that seven to eight rebound range, sure you'd love to get a double double from time to time with him, but that's ultimately not his job. He's more out there to be a scorer than he is to be a rebounder. But that shows the growth in that area. That shows that he's not taking that part of the game off. That he's trying to step up and he and he's answering the coaching and the call and the demands of his coaching staff. You love to see that from Keegan Murray. Really proud of him. Uh, and uh, I really wanted that three-point shot to go down, not just for, for him, but for the eruption here in the Golden 1 Center. And it would have rivaled uh, the, remember the Bogdan Bogdanovich three that he hit against the Lakers over Tyson Chandler uh, that that made this place erupt. Like, that's Bogey's, Bogey's moment as a Sacramento King. I think uh, Keegan almost had a moment like that against the Lakers. But, oh well, he'll get more opportunities later. I mentioned earlier defensive numbers that Mike Brown pointed out. Let me go through these really quickly. The Lakers are a team that typically dominate opponents in the paint. Helps when you have guys like Anthony Davis, and of course LeBron James can put the ball on the floor and attack the basket at will and do whatever he wants. He's a freaking physical specimen. Not to mention, like, D'Angelo Russell is really good. Gabe Vincent can be good at times, like Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura. Like, this, this team is loaded with guys that can beat you in the paint. And we know the Kings sometimes have been a revolving door in the paint, like like Matadors, Ole defense. Go right on by and, and have a layup or have a dunk at the rim. Well, tonight, Sacramento held the Lakers to just 44 points in the paint. And on top of that, held the Lakers to 43% shooting from the field and 33% shooting from three-point range. Mike Brown said he'll take that any night of the week. And of course, you can't can't just say, hey, take fouls away, right? If you you were to take away fouls, tonight would have looked really different because fouls are part of the game and ultimately the, the, the Lakers got to the line way too much, especially in that first half. Fouls are what kept the Lakers into this game. But I'm telling you, if the Kings... 
find a way to clean up their defense, right? Clean up that defense to where they can play with that level of physicality without picking up those ticky-tack reach-in fouls uh, that allow the Lakers to stick around. Games are going to be a lot more comfortable. Leads are going to be a lot more sustainable and maybe even get bigger in the process. So really pleased with this, those defensive numbers. If you haven't checked out my interview with Stockton Kings general manager Anjali Ranadive, I, I re- released that um, early or late last night, kind of early this morning. When you, uh, so make sure you don't skip over that. Go and check that interview out. Uh, if nothing else, I think you'll learn a thing or two uh, about Anjali and, and uh, the job that he does, uh, she does, excuse me, and what being a, a general manager in the G League is like. So go and check that out. And also make sure you tune in tomorrow for a podcast that I'm not looking forward to. Um, I lost a bet with Kyle Madsen from ESPN 1320. He's a Warriors fan. Does a great job covering the Sacramento Kings and covering Sacramento sports and California sports, period. But he's a Warriors fan. So we are going to be doing a Kings-Warriors preview podcast because, yes, the Kings and Warriors play again in San Francisco on Wednesday, and maybe De'Aaron Fox will play, maybe he won't. We'll wait for an update, and as soon as I hear, I'll provide you with that update. I'm going to have to be eating spicy foods, and I have zero spice tolerance, period. I'm going to be eating spicy foods over the course of that podcast while doing a Kings preview with Kyle. I'm going to be an absolute mess. And on top of that, there are going to be Hot Ones hot sauces involved. If you're not familiar with Hot Ones, look it up. It's an amazing show. It also looks like torture. Let's just say, for those of you who are Hot Ones fans, there's a specific spice that everybody reacts to terribly. might be called Da Bomb. Yeah, that's going to be involved. If I die... At least it'll be on podcast, and hopefully it'll get good ratings. But I'm looking forward to that conversation with Kyle Matson. So please join me for that podcast tomorrow. Kings win so we can at least celebrate tonight, even if I'm dreading tomorrow. The beam is lit. 132-127, to 127, the final score. Always feels good when the Kings beat the Lakers. And now they head out onto the road. The Golden State Warriors are next, plus some games against the Rockets. Next time they return home, it'll be against the Portland Trailblazers. So even with Fox potentially hurt, knock on wood, there are some games that are certainly there for Sacramento to pick up. Can't wait for the next Kings game. Can't wait for tomorrow's lockdown. Actually, I can wait for tomorrow's podcast, but I can't wait to have you join me. Let's put it that way. Thanks so much for your support. I'll chat with you next time. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.